Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. It's really different. It's a very reserved performance from the explosion in the car with Apollonia to when he meets Kay on the street to, to ultimately when he sits at the funeral and he understands, you know, that Tessio is going to be the one to betray him. Yeah, and then finally, when when uh, yeah, when Kay's yeah, Clemens is not that smart. That's why he <laughs> walks up twenty flights of stairs to shoot people. Um, the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. By the way, Godfather Two on last night. I stayed with that as well, even through the intermission, which only lasts ten seconds on television. Um, and I got this great note from Sean Reese uh, telling me little fun facts about the Godfather. Apollonia at the time, the girl who played Apollonia, 16 years old. Wow. 16 years old in those scenes with Al Pacino. Um, okay, so oh, way, we didn't... Got, I have trivia about Clemenza. You know, you, you made the joke about him walking up those stairs. Apparently, yeah. he annoyed uh, Coppola so much that Coppola made him reshoot that four or five times just to make him walk up the stairs. Well, so well, he was he was not in the second movie because he wanted to write his own lines. Yes, he wanted like to do it. his own lines. So they put in is it Michael Vigazzo? Is that the guy who played Frankie Pantangelo? Is that him? I think it is. Yes, right? I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. So I mean that that was going to be Clemenza's role anyway. Yeah. Um, we did not say this the other day. Our profound and happy congratulations to Greg Garcia, right, Michael? Yes, Greg Garcia won the the bracket challenge in, in the big category. Although I think we had a late contender who did not who did not fully share his bracket with the show. So I think we could create a subcategory for our very own Sean Cherry, who well, actually had the winning total score but never got it to Nigel. Well, Sean, you would have won. <laughs> Why didn't you do that? <laughs> I, I just entered as a normal little, and uh, I didn't realize that that was a special process. So You had Baylor winning. I did not. I had Gonzaga oh. winning, but I had enough points to beat Garcia's score. Well, but Greg had Baylor winning. Yeah, he did. Greg had Baylor winning, which was, I guess, the well, big payoff. he does this for a living. Yeah, I was going to no, say, he writes comedy for a living. How many well, times has Greg won this, though? <laughs> it's two or three. He He's seems a, to win this often, doesn't he? Yes. He does seem to win it often. Yes. Um, other news. Having, oh, kind of just a quick yeah, yeah, announcement. Yeah, yeah. So for all those who did enter our tournament challenge, uh, we're going out to the top 66 finishers. So if you are T66, send us an email with your screenshot to shop at TonyCornizerShow.com. You can CC mailbag if you really want to, but we'll get you something out. There's going to be a tier of, of prizes. And our Isn't great thanks nice? to Rob Colpian, who's helping to arrange all this. That's very nice. That's really good. Good. That's good for everybody. Speaking of other show news, um, the ambassador of wine, yeah. Duska Jensen, the ambassador of wine at Willamette Valley Vineyards. Is that, I think correct. I have that correct. Um, th our two favorites are that and Bell's Up with, with Dave Spector. Still have to make a trip to Oregon. Yeah, I know. I understand that. Anyway, so I called Duska because I was so thrilled at how nice it was to stay in South Carolina and how accommodating and hospitable Chan and Moni were. So I said, let's get some wine for them because they like wine and they like white and red wine. And Duska sent some wine and it was delivered with uh, It's Willamette Damn It t-shirt for Chan. <laughs> so I assume I, they're happy with that, right? Everybody's happy with that. Everything that I've heard and even bigger news, the Bootster now is his very own t-shirt. That's right. We're, we're currently shrinking one that was sent to Carol. Yeah, which 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 doesn't fit her and, and now will fit the Bootster. And fit, after it that, fit it'll fit Henry. Yeah, it would fit a medium-sized child. So yeah. it would fit a very large preschool-aged boy. Yeah. So um, we will have Steve Sands on and we will certainly ask him about this. But I was, I will say that I was surprised at this yesterday. I was in a very bad mood by seven o'clock at night because the Nats bullpen had failed again. Not only had the bullpen failed, Eric Fetty had failed in an abysmal way in game one, but then Wander Suero, who is terrible. Well, there are only seven inning games. He had to make it pretty deep, right? One and two thirds, if you consider that deep. If you That's can, a quality start. Yeah, a quality start. Um, and, and Wander Suero, who I don't understand why he continues to be on the team, was put into a game and gave up a run, which amounted to the winning run. And then in the second game, after Steven Strasburg pitched great, six innings of one hit shutout ball, they handed it's only these are only seven inning games. So now you hand it to the guy who you think can make something happen 
Tanner Rainey, and he made something happen. He went to a one-and-two count on the fat panda, Sandoval, <laughs> who's pinch-hitting, a one-and-two count with a man on first base, somehow got it to three-and-two because he, he wanted to nibble. He wanted to nibble, and then on three-and-two, threw a very fast ball, but right over the heart of the plate, that when it landed, landed over 400 feet away. And the Nats lose that game 2 nothing. And Tanner Rainey, another guy, I don't understand why he's on the team. But you, you can yell at me that over some period of time he's good. But the Nats pitching, the Nats bullpen specifically beyond Fetty, the bullpen in game one and game two undid the team. They undid the team. And it, we it faced all, this for starts, five years. It all starts with Eric Fetty in that first game is just... It's unacceptable because you give him the lead again in the second inning, and, and you're pitching for the entire day. You go up to Strasburg and say, do you want to go game one or game two? He wants to go game two, and you go, okay, we trust you. You're going to have a long leash out there. So you really only need Fetty to give you four innings. And he couldn't. He couldn't. couldn't even and give at, him two. And at that point, just put someone else out there so you can at least hold the lead and try and maintain. You're, you're not getting any run production if you want to try and say, what kind of start Turner's having? Great. Ryan Zimmerman's actually hitting. That, that's wonderful, but I... Don't feel very optimistic going into LA going to and St. Louis. Now they're going to dodge. You don't even know when, when a third of the team's going to be able to show up. Yeah, if they're flying commercial, they'll have to quarantine. Well, they should fly charter. You should. You own the team. You get them the private plane. That's how you do it. You don't ever put them on commercial if that puts them in jeopardy for a particular game because they've already missed the first week of the season. Now, so by seven o'clock, I was in a very bad mood, um, and I turned on the nightly news, and I was. I wasn't stunned, but I was certainly surprised that the lead story on the NBC Nightly News last night was Tiger Woods, was the finding by the L.A. Sheriff's Department, the release of the findings by the L.A. Sheriff's the Department. The release, but not reveal. Not the reveal, no. And, well, what they said was that as far as they were concerned, there was no impairment, but they did not speak to whether or not, and blood had to have been taken when Tiger Woods went into the hospital for operations. This is just standard. Um, that doesn't mean that the L.A. Sheriff's Department had access to it or wanted access to it. The L.A. Sheriff's Department said as far as they were concerned, there was no impairment whatsoever, and that's all you're going to get from them. And there's nobody else has the right to release that, so that's what you're going to get. But they also said that the sophisticated technology in the car revealed two things the tiger was going at times between 84 and 87 miles an hour in a 45 zone on a windy road 84 to 87 and that the accelerator was 99 percent depressed not the brake the accelerator 99 percent depressed when he did he clip a tree and then roll over is that what happened yeah i don't know i don't know what the process was you know so what are our thoughts what are your thoughts of 84 to 87? I'm not, I'm not even going to discuss impairment. I mean, my, my first reaction to that would be distraction rather than impairment. That may be texting or, you know, something. You can't be texting at that. My first, 84 my first to 87. I was coming back to the Hank Haney book and you're trying to think, what outlets was he searching for for some release? And if you look at the way he was training back at the peak of his career with the weights, with the Navy SEAL training, you start to go, is this something that he actually has a habit of doing, that he's seeking out terrain like this to try and test the vehicle, to try and test his reflexes? Huh. I don't know. And then you start to come up with the fact of, okay, if you're in this traumatic experience, are you reaching for the brake, but in that blackout brain moment, you actually are still Hit depressing... The the accelerator, and that saved the story that you don't know just by looking at the sheer numbers of X percent acceleration. Uh, yeah, it's not really what you want to hear as you're hearing all these stories about these young pros making their visits to Tiger's house, yeah. and you're hearing about the recovery. There's still so many questions you have about what what the what the department is not saying, what they could have known or what they should have known, and so it feels like this is just enough information to get you off of our back but really we're still protecting this this case. So we're all different. I mean, we obviously you're gonna talk about Tiger anyway because this is the Masters and he's the last person to win in April and he's clearly not playing. We don't ever know if he'll play again. We don't, we don't know that. But you talk about Tiger in terms of 84 to 87. So I've, I've said this, when I was driving on I-95 in South Carolina a couple of weeks ago, and this is I-95, it's, 
It's not the widest road in the world in South Carolina. It's mostly two lanes in South Carolina. And even in the right lane, there are times you find yourself, because everybody's bearing down on you, going about 85 miles an hour. That's too much for me. But that's a flat road. That's not windy. That's not hilly. That's a flat road. And I tried to get, when I saw I was at 85, I tried to get down from that as quickly as possible. Um, I'm not one of those people that like speed. There are a lot of people that do. Uh, last night, I watched the beginning of Ford versus Ferrari. Those are people that like speed. <laughs> okay, they do, and, and, and I don't. I don't. I guess Tiger does. I mean, I assume that. But boy, that's... That's a lot of miles an hour. Yeah, it, you're gonna. Every one of us is gonna try and place this into roads that we know. So I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about the Virginia side as you're heading into Chain Bridge, and there's one turn where you always see signs because it's a it's a place where there are accidents. Or if you're going down through Rock, you know, Rock Creek Park Beach Drive area, yeah. and you just realize how much you have to ride the brake, and, and that's why it, it seems like you'd be actively trying to maintain that kind of speed. So um, we are all happy that he's alive. We wish him a full recovery, a quick recovery. What Michael said is true. The homages that people pay to him, the younger players who adore him and idolize him, the Justin Thomases, the Rory McIlroys, they feel that way about Tiger. We hope everything goes well, but it is, it's, it's an, you know, an eyebrow opening moment when you read 84 to 87. Yeah, it's, it's, it's generational. You think about the, the traditional grouping of practice round players of Freddie Couples, Tiger, and, and, JT was welcomed into that group, and yeah. Freddie's in his 50s. Is Freddie not 60 yet? We, I mean, still How old great. is Freddie Couples? Because he's the same age as Jim Nance, I right? Would, yeah, no, I then he has to be mid-60s. I, I think he's like 61 or 62. Nigel, area. can you look that up? Do you know how to use the computer? Yes, looking it up right now. Because you're know. vital to the show, as we all know. And 1959, wow. 61, So 60, yes. 61, right, that's what I thought. Okay, still has that yeah. like, mid-50s. He looks like a kid, yeah. looks like a kid. All right, we'll take a break. As I said, we will talk to Steve Sands. When we return, he is live at Augusta, and we will have him. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Bloomscape ad. After being stuck indoors all winter, I think we're ready to say good riddance. As excited as I am to get outside, I've been outside the last couple of days, I haven't been looking forward to getting the plants in shape because I don't have a green thumb. I'm not good. Michael has a green thumb. And that's why I love Bloomscape because they make it easy to find the perfect plants for your space and keep them growing all year long. Do you want to describe the plant that you got for me that's upstairs? Yes, right upstairs we have the Dracaena Song of India, which is a pretty low-maintenance plant, and it arrives with some good size. So it's going to be a statement piece right out of the box. Everything's packaged beautifully. And a few other uh, options if you're looking for something that is low-maintenance, that'll grow quickly because we're now in that growing season, and one that you can actually try and propagate and continue to gift going forward. Look at a lot of their philodendrons. I recommend the philodendron Brazil. See, now now you talk about the song of India and the philodendron Brazil. Does oh, everything yeah. is everything come from Every, a, a everything country? Everything has a, a beautiful name. Do yes. we do we Well, part of it is think about we where have these, American beauty, for think example. Think about where these plants would be native and where you'd see them growing outside and think about these humid climates. Let's go native as they say all the time in the big musicals. Find the perfect plants for your space, whether you've got tons or light or hardly any. Thousands of people have upgraded their spaces with beautiful indoor plants from Bloomscape. The new outdoor bloom kits from Bloomscape are exactly what we all need right now. It's the easiest, most convenient way to get growing. Shop a variety of young plants, accessories, tools, and supplies. Everything you need to get your patio or porch springtime ready. Bloomscape's Patented shipping technology makes them one of the few who can deliver happy, healthy plants of all sizes across the U.S. Happy means a lot to me. When I talk to the plant, I want to feel the plant smiling and happy. Oh, the plants communicate. You know, like the dog. I know, when, I know when the dog is happy. Watch the leaves. You know. All right. Bloomscapes, bloom kits. It's hard to say that. Bloomscapes, bloom kits are completely customizable, if there is such a word. Mix and match sizes and colors, and since no two plants are alike, much like snowflakes, Bloomscape makes it easy to filter plants by how much light or attention they'll need. Get 15% off plant orders of $100 with the promo code TONYK at bloomscape.com. That's 15% off plant orders of $100 or more at bloomscape.com, B-L-O-O-M, bloom, S-C-A-P-E, scape, bloomscape.com, promo code TONYK, and use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. 
This is a song called Gone Long Gone, sent to us by Dwight Glenn of the Ozark Mountain Daredevils, the official 70s classic rock band of this show. He writes, we wanted to share with you a couple of new songs from this band, which is truly a ragtag collection of hippies, bohemians, and musicians of no fixed ambition that still create new music 50 years into the run. We appreciate the opportunity your show provides to independent and wonderfully creative artists to get national exposure. Thanks to your generosity and willingness to play the music that we all try to create to not only entertain, but hopefully distract people from the weird world we've experienced now for over a year. Again, this one is called Gone Long Gone. They'll be back with us later in the show and they play in Steve Sands, who is in Augusta. And, and there's a million questions that I can ask about who's going to win and who's not going to win, and I will get to those. But my first question is, is this. Does it feel like all is right with the world again, that this is in April, that the azaleas are out, and that there will be some people attending? Nothing feels more right than the masters being brought in by bohemian music. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, it does, Tony. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. We were talking about this yesterday. Um, we have people coming in and out of our studio, and, and Jack Nicholas and Raymond Floyd, and Jack kind of likes to hang around for a few minutes before and after. And I looked at him and I said, man, how great is this as opposed to being here in November? And we were just kind of chatting about how everything's starting to come together a little bit. We can almost feel the finish line of, of this craziness that all of us have gone through and have had different experiences with. But being back here, the Masters, firm and fast golf course, warm and kind of humid weather, maybe some thunderstorms in the forecast. Yeah. Um, and being here in April makes it seem so much better. And also, Tony, there are some patrons out here, you know, and, and hearing some roars and seeing people uh, it does seem so much more normal uh, than what we witnessed here five months ago. How many people will be allowed in, and, and how does that compare to the normal masters? Oh, Tony, you know the answers to that. They, they have a wonderful way here of, of not answering a question. Hey, how many fans <laughs> will be here this week? The, the amount we're comfortable with. How many yeah, members okay. are here? You know, the, the, the right number, you know, and, and yeah. everything seems to be okay. You, if I looked at you and you and I asked you a question and you didn't answer, I'd say, can I get an answer? <laughs> Here, they don't quite answer you. But I, I've i been told um, off the record that it's about 20% of what oh, the attendance okay. usually is per day. Okay. And it's going to look way more crowded uh, than it actually is. If you walk deep into the Masters, um, when you walk around here, it usually is filled with so many people. And here, you're able to walk around. You can go in a merchandise tent. You can do all kinds of things. So it'll look light, but it will look so much fuller because of what we saw in November where there was nobody here. So it, it's going to look really good. By the way, I was going through the dial last night, and I found something on ESPN. I was I was on the Golf Channel, and then I went off for a little while. I found something on ESPN about uh, the, the November Masters, uh, a documentary of sorts, I guess. I didn't stay with it all that long. But I didn't realize that Gary Player and Jack Nicklaus were out on the range in darkness at 5.15 in the morning to get ready for the ceremonial hit. Did they do that oh, again yeah. today in darkness? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they are, wow. playing, they, they are playing a little bit earlier this year. Uh, first peg in the ground will be at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And the ceremonial tee shots being hit at 745. It's going to be Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, and Lee Elder is going to be Good. out there as well. Um, Lee Elder will, will have not hit a golf shot. He's going to be out there in more of a ceremonial role because he's unable to health-wise uh, swing a golf club, which is a shame because when it was announced in November that he was going to be joining Gary and Jack, he was in good enough health to hit the ceremonial first tee shot. And, and unfortunately, it's been a, a long five months for him health-wise, but yeah, they, they are having the ceremonial tee shots uh, 15 minutes earlier than normal this year. I would be crazy not to ask this question ahead of the Masters, which is the reaction from the people around you when it was released yesterday that Tiger Woods was not impaired, but was driving right. between 84 and 87 miles an hour on a winding 45-mile-an-hour right. speed limit. Well, how did everybody react to that? Well, I think the first reaction was, man, if I was going 84, 87, and a 45, wouldn't I have gotten a reckless driving ticket? <laughs> I, I think 
the, the, the first reaction like, wow, I, I didn't realize yeah. that took place. I didn't know that someone else had to be injured or some other property yeah. needed to be damaged in order to receive uh, at least a, a speeding ticket, uh, let alone a reckless driving ticket for those kinds of miles per hour over the speed limit. Um, I think the reaction was, I think the reaction was pretty uniform uh, and universal, Tony. I think people are, are glad he's alive, glad he's okay, yeah. uh, glad he's doing better, and they're in a little bit of bewilderment as to how all of those things took place without any citation or anything like that. When you have that kind of data and the accelerator is going at 99% of its capacity and you're going 84 to 87 miles per hour in a 45 at that hour of the day, um, you know, no toxicology report, no blood taken at the scene. Uh, They have to do that at the hospital because when you're going to do the surgeries and all the things that he had to have done in the hospital, they had to take Mm -hmm. those tests. But I think a lot of people are wondering – did he receive special treatment? And I, I believe the L.A. County Sheriff said Say absolutely not. that he did not. Yeah, that he Absolutely not. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw that, too. And I was like, OK, that, which is fine. I mean, everybody knows how life works. Everybody receives special treatment when you are certain people in, in the society. But I think the overall uh, reaction was, man, that he seems awfully lucky to be alive and awfully lucky to not have gotten in trouble with the law in that regard. All right, let me get to the Masters. I, I agree with everything uh, that you've said, so <laughs> thank you for saying it. Only twice since 1960 did a person who won the week before the Masters win the Masters. We bring this up because yeah. it's Jordan Spieth, and he hadn't won in four years, and I think everybody felt happy for him. Do you eliminate him because of that, or do you say, no, 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 Spieth can win this? Yeah, no, I think he can win it. Um, Sandy Lyle in 88, 2006, Phil Mickelson, when he won his second Masters, are the only two players since 60 to do it. Um, I think in this particular case, Tony, obviously the odds are against you winning week in, week out in this particular sport, and going back-to-back and making the second one a Masters is even more rare, is even is even more difficult. But Spieth is so comfortable here, Tony. He had that win in 15. The year prior, he tied for second. The year after, he tied for second. And he was third alone in 2018 when Patrick Reed won. So the pedigree here at this particular golf course uh, is much different. If this was one of the other three majors, I would say no chance. I think Jordan has a great chance to win because not only does he come here with more confidence in his game the last two years in 20 in November and then also in 2019 when Tiger won, I think he comes here – with confidence and knowing the ability to get it around this golf course, the nuances here are really important. Experience really matters. And Jordan certainly has that And confidence and game. Uh, I think Jordan speed is one of the top two or three picks this week. Yeah. I, and, and because of the word confidence, that's why I would eliminate Rory McIlroy. Cause it's just hard to believe he has any particular confidence at the moment. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Um, The the golf course is just so, it's so suited to his game when he actually plays his game. And I think his work with Pete Callen, who is a course whisperer um, in the world of golf, he's such a world-renowned coach, very quiet, under the radar, um, exactly what Rory needs. Uh, I think today is the day for Rory. If he gets off to a good start, I think that, who knows? He could tumble downhill. He's a tremendous front runner. If he gets off to a bad start, you can eliminate him probably by two o'clock this afternoon. That's how Rory okay. works. But he does not come in with confidence whatsoever uh, in his game. He has a lot of confidence in himself, but he doesn't have confidence in his game, which sounds kind of odd. But that's where Rory is right now. There are two other people who you have to mention right away. One is Dustin Johnson, who is the defending champion of sorts because he won it five months ago. And the other, of course, is Bryson DeChambeau. I will start with Dustin Johnson, who won convincingly. He could do that again, could he not? Absolutely. We've said this before, Tony, on and off of your show. Nobody in this sport has the ability to run away and hide and dominate a field and a golf course like Dustin Johnson. He is the best player in the world, and if it happens to be a week where he is sharp, then the rest of the field can forget it. That's what happened in November, 
Now, this week is a lot different. Uh, first of all, there are only three players who have ever won the Masters back-to-back. Nicholas did it. Faldo did it. Tiger Woods did it. So the odds are against you there. The other thing is it was soft. It was not firm and fast in November because mm-hmm. of the time of year, because of the way the grass grows uh, in November. They couldn't make it firm and fast. Here we are in April, and this course is lightning fast right now. If Mother Nature cooperates and it doesn't rain too much, it's going to be really, really quick on the weekend. So that's different. Now, Dustin can adapt about as well as anybody because he can win anywhere, anytime. And I think he's the favorite for a reason. I think he's the best player in the world. Wouldn't shock me at all if he put himself in the mix going into the weekend. And if it happens to be his time again, he can certainly cross the finish line. What about DeChambeau, who hangs over, as I said on TV yesterday, the sport of golf like a sword. He's the most interesting, <laughs> intriguing yeah. person out there. What do you think of his chances? Because he did not he, do well in November. Did not. No, he, he is fascinating. He has never played well here. He won the U.S. Amateur and the NCAA Championship in 2015. Stayed an amateur so he could play in the Masters in 2016. Tied for 21st that year. He's played four other times, so five times total. That tie for 21st as an amateur in 2016 is his best ever finish. I don't like his action here this week. I don't like the game plan he's trying to implement. At Wingfoot, the the rough would catch any golf ball that was hit errant off the tee, and then he would gouge it out of there with a nine iron because of his strength, while the other guys either punched out of the rough or hit seven irons or six irons. It's an enormous difference in golf at this level to hit nine irons versus six and sevens. So he was able to kind of dominate the field at Wingfoot, which you can't do here is miss the fairways where he's trying to hit the golf ball because there's no rough here. The second cut here, which is what's called the rough is minimal, which means if you're airing off the tee just a little bit, which he's going to be at some point, he's not going to hit every fairway. Those balls are not going to get caught by the rough. The balls here at Augusta National will bound into the pine straw and into the trees and leaving him no angle or having to punch out and try to save par from a long distance. So if you're a gambler, I would use the phrase, I would fade Bryson DeChambeau this week. I don't think his game plan is suited for this golf course, especially when it's firm and fast. All right. Um, This is a a track where people have won who you – least expect Danny Willett would be an example of that in recent yeah. years long shots give us a couple of long shots the ones that you are writing down where you say I'm not going to be surprised if Sunday this guy's in it there, there's two guys who come to mind one is someone who's won here before and for some reason Sergio Garcia who's played well recently is like 80 to 1 or 60 to 1 something like that I I, I would put a couple of dollars on Sergio this week um, if mm-hmm. if you choose to uh, do those kinds of things. And I also think a guy named Joaquin Neiman, Joaquin Neiman is a guy who almost leads the tour every year he's played in greens hit and regulation. That's a massive statistic here at Augusta National. He's played here before, so he's not going to go up against that fuzzy Zeller 1979, the last guy to win the Masters in his first trip. So he has a little bit of experience here, not a lot, but a little bit. And he's got a lot of chops and he can really hit the golf ball off the tee. So if I was going to go way off the board, I'd go Joaquin Neiman. If I was going to go with a veteran who's won here before, who for whatever reason has low odds or high odds, uh, mm-hmm. Sergio Garcia would be the other pick. Thank you so much. Go go to work. Go to work. Enjoy yourself. We'll <laughs> talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you guys. Take care. Steve Sands, boys and girls. He's out there. It's the Masters. I'm not going to get too rhapsodic about this, but it's the beginning of spring. It used to be the baseball season was the beginning of spring, but it become it has become the Masters over some period of time, which is just a joy to behold. It's a course where everybody knows, even if you don't know the front nine, everybody knows the back nine. It's the only course. I mean, it's every year. It's the Masters. Everybody gets it. And some of us have stood on the tee at 12 and felt that tremendous fear, you know, and... It's it's really compelling. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Gary and Tori will join us for news. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X chair read. Uh, the only like I say to Michael all the time. We, 
we got to replant a couple of things and we've got to move the X chair upstairs. I've got to use the X chair on PTI. And Michael says, well, we'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. But we, we've got to do it next week because I love the X chair. I sat in the X chair last night just fooling around in the computer room and I love the X chair. I've never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing. Really, it's really comfortable. I think I could sit in it for hours and not feel uncomfortable, but I don't have the personality to sit for hours. I just don't, so I'd have to get up, you know, and I, I just, I, I'm not that kind of person. My friend Jody, who bought this thing on his own, he's that kind of person. Jody can sit in it for hours. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support, which again just says lumbar on this copy, Nigel, which offers unbelievable lumbar support, support to my lower back. But now thanks to their new XHMT technology, I can also get heat and massage therapy while I'm sitting at my desk. The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to my core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. And if I knew how to make that work, Michael does. I have to have Michael here every day. All perks that make working from home or the office a joy. You won't believe the X chair difference until you feel the X chair difference for yourself. It's the luxury supercar of office chairs. It's on sale now for $100 off. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, chair, Tony. Dot com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairtony.com and use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairtony.com. Make Jody jealous. He doesn't have the wheels. <laughs> You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, these are the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. This is called Don't. Michael, if people like the Ozark Mountain Daredevils want to send us their original music, which we are always grateful to receive, how do they do so? Please send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com, and I find myself searching for more and more of this music. Yeah, because the music's really good. Creating a Spotify list. It's very good. What does that mean? Don't I've heard of that. Yeah, I don't a, really know what that means. Yeah. All right, um, we're going to do news. Gary Braun is with us. Tori is with us. Tori, before we start, though, you have an announcement of sorts having to do with Chatter on Books. Yes, thank you very much. So Chatter on Books, next Monday, we have Dave Kindred. And anybody listening to your podcast knows Dave is just a sports icon. The word icon doesn't even suit. And he has a book out called Leave Out the Tragic Parts. And it's about one of his grandsons who had a horrible, horrible addiction to alcohol and went on the road and jumping on trains for a few years and no, not giving any weight, ultimately dies. And it is one of the most stunning, brave books I've ever read. Uh, I, can't, I can't imagine how hard it must have been to write. And Dave does the audio version himself. And I was listening to it the other day, and at a couple points I had to pull over. I was in my car listening to it, and I had to pull over because it is so brave. It is so honest. It is so authentic, all of those words. And I, I cannot wait to talk to him on Monday night because I think he, he must be so proud of this work. So thank you for letting us plug that. It's, it will be terrific. I love Kindred. Everybody knows that. So I yeah. hope people will listen to this, and I hope that they will get the book. And, and I hope they will buy the book. And even if, you, if you're not that interested in Dave Kindred, you're interested in the story, the writing. And I'm, you know, an amateur expert at good writing, and there are words and phrases and sentences that will just stop you in your tracks because they're so well done. And that's Dave Kinder. He's that good. He's that good, kids. Okay, Nigel, uh, I'm going to begin with a news story that I wanted to (laughs) get the reaction to both Tori and Gary on this. This is in the post today. I'm just going to read it. Haley Van Voorhees, who played two seasons of high school football as a wide receiver and safety at Christchurch School near Richmond, committed to Division Three Shenandoah University, where she, she intends to play football in the fall. Van Voorhees, who is listed at 5'6 and 150, would be the first woman to play football at that level at any position, besides kicker or punter. She is expected to vie for a spot either as a wide receiver or defensive back. This is a quote from the Shenandoah coach, Scott Yoder. We're looking for a certain skill set, and she jumped out to one of our assistant coaches as a defensive back slash wide receiver. Shenandoah was among several D3 schools that recruited Van Voorhees. Van Voorhees said she didn't make her college choice lightly and weighed the possibility of taking a postgraduate year off, quote, to get stronger and more prepared. 
Um, I find this, uh, you know, amazing. I don't know what to make of it. Am I rooting for her? Sure, I'm rooting for her. But I've, it never occurred to me, you know, kicker, punter, okay, it never occurred to me in the, in the combat positions that this was going to happen. Maybe I'm being foolish and not thinking about that. Um, you guys have daughters around this age, right? I'll start with you, Tori. What do you think of this? I think it's great. I think it's great. I think it's fabulous. Um, I read a yeah. little bit about this. She sounds like a smart kid. I think she knows what she's getting herself into. And if you guys know better than I do, D3, they've got to be creative about recruiting, right? Um, yeah. But I know something about that high school in Richmond. I think it's a pretty good high school. I think they're smart, talented people who really do think about where are we going to go to college and why. So I think she thought it through. I think it's fantastic, and I wish her the best. Gary? Uh I think this is the worst idea of all time. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I share Tory sentiment. I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's tremendous. I think I, I totally agree with you that that kicker punter, I can see it. And I can, yeah. I can see it in the pros one day at those. Positions. Yes, me too. Um, may, maybe because of this young woman, we'll be able to see it. At, uh, we'll be able to envision it. I should say it at wide receiver or D back as well. I, I can tell you just a cursory search online. This young lady is jacked up. I mean, I would kill for her body. She's fantastically physically fit. So it's interesting when you say, you know, she wanted to get stronger. She's not. It, those of you listening to this, picturing a, a five foot five high school girl, this is a five foot five weightlifter. Um, I mean, she, you know, she looks like she could play. D back or wide receiver on that level for sure. Um, I will say, as the father of a kid that age, I'd I'd rather have a kid boy or girl. I'd always rather have a kid dishing out the hits than taking them. So maybe her, okay, her parents, but, if they're like me, are, are rooting for D back. But um, I this think it's is fantastic, Tony. This has happened. There, there's been high school wrestling, high school. I don't think college. There's been high school wrestling. Um, I think, you know, I think there may have been, there may be high school baseball. I'm not sure about that. Uh, but this is, boy, college level, college level football. Wow. May I ask a question yeah. of you sports people? I've yeah. heard you talk many times about for the long-term viability of football as a sport, it has to get safer. And they have been taking a lot of measures in the last several years to make it safer, reduce concussions, those kinds of things. In that context, isn't it likely that you could see more more women like this young lady? If the, if the sport gets somewhat safer, it's never going to be completely safe. But if it gets somewhat safer, isn't it likely we'll see more women like this? It's, it, I guess. I, I think it takes success for that to happen. I think somebody has to be good and, and then point the way for others. But I do think there's also that, that notion of, wow, I mean, is she, is she more likely to get hurt than a boy of the same age and size in terms of musculature? Are, are, you know, are, are we exposing her to something that, from a paternal standpoint, is not the wisest thing to do? I mean, I think that'll be out there. And I hope she's great. I hope she's great. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know that the pursuit of safety and, and I think if, if they were being honest, the league would tell you, we want the pursuit of safety without the sacrifice of physicality. I mean, they still want that brutal physicality. They just want to do it as safely as possible. Um, But I I think that you raise a good point, Tori. I mean, I think that might open the door a little bit. What else is in the news? Great story. Uh, well, before we get into the news proper, I just wanted to say, well, first of all, belated happy birthday to one Gary Braun, who I believe turned 21 yeah. yesterday. Happy Thank birthday, you. Gary. Thank you. Oh, oh man. man. You're 40. <laughs> yes. And on this I, I day in history. For, for, people, for people who listen to this show and remember me declaring that I'm a man, I'm 40. That was 11 years ago. So you too have gotten old. <laughs> yeah. I'm old. Uh, but today yeah. is an interesting day in history. On this day in 1974, Hank Aaron uh, hit his 715th career home run, breaking that record by Babe Ruth. And on this date in, uh, I want to say, 2000, um, 
sorry, 2009, Somali pirates hijacked a U.S. flagged ship. And while the crew was able to retake the cargo ship, you might remember the captain, Richard Phillips, was taken captive, yes. freed four yes. days later. So, yeah, that's a great movie yeah. with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I am that's the right. captain now. I, was, <laughs> right. I am the captain now. It's a great. <laughs> right. That's great. And the Hank Aaron well, thing. Well, you know, the, the Hank Aaron thing was important to the country. Um, we talked about Greg it. Sager's first TV appearance, right? Yes, yes. He was out yeah. there at home plate, and he was interviewing, and people said, who is this guy? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he got a tape recorder. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, what now, you I, know you sp I know you spoke about this earlier. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with the uh, the cause revealed in the Tiger Woods crash? That he oh, was yeah. Doing? I mean, I'm just interested. You know, we've talked to Sands about it, and we've talked about it among ourselves, and I'm interested with Gary, and I'm interested with Tori. Uh, the notion that he was driving between 84 and 87 miles an hour uh, when this happened. Well, I, 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 I'm not I'm not sure that was a tremendous surprise to anyone. I mean, sp speeding is said to cause accidents. In fact, it's not speeding that causes accidents. It's the failure to slow down. And in this instance, uh, th there was no evidence that he had attempted to slow down at right. all, which right. uh, I think I had talked about with you earlier had launched sort of some conspiracy theories among some. Um, so I, I wasn't terribly shocked to hear that. I was just, it just further saddened me. I mean, this whole thing is, has just been so sad. I want obviously Tiger to, to make a, a full recovery as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's very, very sad. It's not a big surprise, as Gary says. But as I say all the time, yeah, I make the first billion. The first thing I do is get a driver. <laughs> the idiocy yeah. of this and the real tragedy of this is he doesn't need to be driving himself. And it's not like he was in his, you know, Ferrari or Lamborghini. He's driving some, no. you know, loaner right. SUV that was. That no, was a courtesy car, was, courtesy car right. from the tournament. Yeah. yeah. Why is someone like that driving himself? Completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. All right. What do we got, Nigel? Uh, another thing we, we touched on earlier, but I want to give you some slightly a silver lining to the cloud over the Washington Nationals, who did get Ugh. swept yesterday Ugh. by the Atlanta Braves. Despite that, they're still just in second place behind the Phillies. Um, just two and a half games, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's early in the year, but, you know, so those that. were both yes. winnable games. Yes. They could easily be 0-3. Yes. You know, they and, could and be 3-0. Oh, who owns the tiebreaker right now between them and uh, the Phillies? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, they're behind the Phillies. There's no tiebreaker. <laughs> yes. yes. But right, I but do, I do, able to catch them, I'm saying. I just want to say, I, I know you're annoyed that Pablo Sandoval hit that home run, but as yeah. a Red Sox fan, of course, I'm thinking, well, did his did his belt explode? His pants fall down around his pants like it did when he was with, with Boston? So glad to see he's still out there swinging. He is. Um, he's got yeah. at least two world championships with the Giants, by the way. Yeah, he's been around was, a long time. And was terrific yeah. with them. And was a great postseason yeah. player. Yeah. And then yeah. decided yeah. he didn't want to play anymore. Um, mm. Mr. Tony, uh, great results pretty much on the court for Sean Miller of uh, the University of Arizona. But some difficulties off the court. He was entangled in that 2017 federal investigation into corruption in college basketball, including an allegation that he was playing $10,000 a month for former player DeAndre uh, Ayton. Um, Which he now, denies which he denies. Um, mm -hmm. He has now been let go as the head coach of the Arizona men's basketball team with one year left on his contract. Any comments on this? He, had a, he has a really good record. There is as yet no show cause order, which makes him eligible to coach somewhere else. Um, but I was, I, was, me, I was surprised at how explicit the university was that their decision was based on on-court and off-court behavior. And mm -hmm. usually organizations like that just are so mamby-pamby and just kind of, you know, have stupid words. But they were very explicit repeatedly. This is our judgment was based on both on-court and off-court behavior. And I just don't normally see universities being that clear and that precise about something like that. Gary, this Probably is the guy the University of Maryland wanted. So, so this actually bookends with, with another basketball story, which Nigel may or may not have been thinking about doing because he was hired right around the time I believe Mark Turgeon was hired and there was a large groundswell I think among mm -hmm. uh, among Maryland faithful that that Miller is the guy Maryland should be going to get um, the I don't I don't know Tony where they if they're continuing to investigate that situation with with his former assistant was it book Richardson who who was he went to jail yeah, I mean, he he was on the wiretap talking about yep. how Miller yep. bought DeAndre Ayton. Um, it's a weird sort of random lie to make if he's <laughs> making a lie. So I don't know what 
to your point with the show cause, I don't know what the future would hold for Miller. I mean, I, I think he's a very well-respected coach and a guy who's proven he can win. Um, so I think that means he probably gets jobs unless there's some reason why the NCAA steps in and says he can't. Bruce Pearl got a job. You know, I mean, Sean Miller will get another job. He's a good coach. But you may as well coach in the pros. If you're going to pay people, just go to the pros. What else do we have? Sure. Uh, an interesting story coming out of West Virginia, Mr. Tony. A federal judge sentenced Rodney Wheeler, age 48, to two months in prison and six months of home confinement for his role in the plot to fake his wife's death. His wife, Julie Wheeler, who was facing sentencing for a fraud scheme involving um, a misuse of, vet of veterans affairs money. She'd been hired to help a veteran and had uh, basically uh, embezzled $470,000 worth of inappropriate fees from the program. She was going to be scheduled last June 17th. So late May last year, her husband, Rodney, dialed 911 with a frantic plea for help, saying his wife had just jumped off a cliff uh, in, in a West Virginia national park. Authorities launched this massive search for for days. Hundreds of volunteers, police and professional rescuers combed the area. All they could find was a cell phone, but they had no trace of the body whatsoever. Three days later, when police went to interview uh, Rodney Wheeler at his home, they found Julie Wheeler, amazingly enough, hiding inside a closet in the couple's beaver restaurant home. Yeah, it wasn't thought out as well as the Wheelers you know, should have thought yeah. it out. They had tried mm. to fake her death to help her avoid that federal sentencing in the healthcare fraud mm. scheme and then planned to eventually slip away and hide together. But now she has been sentenced to 54 months in prison for her for the healthcare fraud and the fake death scheme and has also been ordered to pay nearly three hundred thousand dollars in restitution. Right. So I, I what about questions. him? I, is is I he going questions. to jail, too? Yeah, he's got two months in prison, six months of home confinement. So, okay. so he pretended that his wife had died in order to live with her? I, 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 so, listen, th this guy has to call me. I mean, th th there's there's a defense for this, and it's simply like, hey, look, this dude went along with it just because he, he wanted to get caught so that he could go to prison. I mean, this has to be about him trying to get away from her by going to prison, right? No, I don't know. I, I think this is a love story. I yes, think, no. and by the way, I looked up basic health care fraud. There are lots of different kinds, of course, but I think she probably would have gotten about 24 months. And if you told my husband, Brian, Tori's going to go away for 24 months, he'd say, bye-bye. <laughs> right? The extraordinary levels to which this couple went, so she wouldn't go away. I think it's a wonderful love story, and I think it should be maybe a kid, maybe Maybe Kindred's next book, West Virginia Love Story. <laughs> there you go. Okay. One more, Nigel. Awesome. Uh, well, Mr. Tony, this is a problem that I know we've talked about countless times on this program, and you and I have had endless discussions about this, and this is about the problem of international Lego thieves. Um, fortunately, <laughs> law and order has struck. Uh, apparently, uh, thieves from Poland had traveled to a town just outside Paris where they were allegedly caught raiding a shop. Now you think, well, okay, well, how valuable could Legos be? Yes, um, that would be my question. How valuable could Legos be? Uh, rare series such as the Lego. We can always make more, you know. <laughs> but the ultimate collector series Millennium Falcon, the one from the Star Wars, uh, has reached $15,000. You think, well, why are people targeting this? Well, there's generally very little security around toy shops, and Legos are surprisingly easy to, to transport around. So they go into these places, they get them, and then they sell them on the black market for outrageous funds. In fact, in 2014, police in Arizona retrieved stolen Lego worth $145,000 and arrested four people in that. And a year later, five people arrested with $11,000 Lego haul. So hopefully this who, is a sign. Who, what, wait, here's the, to whom is this worth $140,000? What kind of person collects Legos? How does that work? Okay, know. every once in a while we stumble into an area about it, which I know so, a tiny bit. So Legos you know this? internationally wow. are huge, 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 huge. And during the pandemic, because um, kids at home and desperate parents, a big run on Legos, they were getting kind of rare. But there are huge international tournaments 
um, science, technology, all that, um, tournaments and competitions and big companies like SAP, a German software company, to name one, would sponsor these big tournaments because it's such a huge deal. And then there are these people, and let's just say they tend to be 55-year-old middle-aged guys living in their basements who <laughs> collect these things, and they care deeply about hey. them. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony, yeah. and now, and now Tony, there's, uh, you know, they do all sort of, um, all sorts of like marketing tie-ins with, with hot movies right. and kids. So you could have like the Mr. 3000 Lego set and it's a collector's Ooh. edition. And, yeah. and, and I mean, so, so it, I get there's a scarcity not. of that, but to dad's point, it's easy to produce Lego. Yeah, it's not like, hard. Yeah. Just, now, is, if you want to try and protect that, the, the toy store, just pour one of those boxes out on the floor, and I think you have a pretty safe spot. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> All I remember about Lego is, is stepping on them. Stepping and, and on them. It hurts. It hurts. Yes, hurts. This, yeah. is, this is the comment yeah. from the police. The Lego community isn't just made up of children. There are numerous adults who play with it. There are swaps and sales on the internet. We've also Thank had you. people complaining their homes have been broken into and Legos stolen. Yeah. So. It's amazing. Tori knows about this stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> Walker and I are fighting over his Duplo sets. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Talk, to you, Love you. Talk to you soon. I will take a break. We have email and a jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Michelob Ultra read. In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends, because they know that happiness is the key to winning and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. In my life as a sports writer and somebody on television, I can think of two teams that exemplified this more than others. And I don't want you to get the wrong impression because to be a professional athlete means you have to work very, very hard at it. You're in an extraordinarily narrow slice of accomplishment when you reach the pros. But having fun is important as well. I would give you two. I would give you the 2019 Nats, who every time they hit a home run, danced in the dugout. And when they danced in the dugout, the camera stayed on them. And it made all of us who rooted for the team very happy. And there was a sidebar to that. If Adam Eaton or Howie Kendrick were involved in a play that resulted in a run, they sat next to each other on the bench and they did a power shift as if they were driving a car. And that, too, gave them great joy and gave us as viewers great joy. The obvious other example is the 85 Bears, maybe the greatest single-season team in the NFL when they put together the Super Bowl shuffle. And everyone went, oh, my God, you can't do that. That's going to jinx you. You've got to keep your nose to the grindstone. But no, they were the best team ever. They went through the playoffs something like 91 to 10. And even Wilbon knows how good they were, and I don't get angry when he says it. So that is the great joy that you can take from sports. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Baby. It's fantastic. Hot pink hangover. You always start dancing to this one. Love it. Just absolutely <laughs> love it. Nigel, do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, Don Corleone, <laughs> I am honored and grateful that have you invited me to your daughter's wedding on the day of your daughter's <laughs> wedding. And I hope the first child is a masculine child. I pledge my never-ending loyalty, except you sleep with the fishes about 20 minutes later. <laughs> Thanks to our guest today, Steve Sands, Gary Braun, Tori Clark. Thanks to our sponsors today, Bloomscape X-Chair, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. And, and now that it really is spring, check out TK Fools at Johnny O. The Young Striped Polo and the McMahon Striped Polo will take you on and off the golf course. 
And since it is Masters Week, yes. I am officially watching the Masters app on my computer where they are just showing the driving range, but no one's actually warming up because they won't give me that coverage. They're just showing me dogwoods. Dogwoods. I've never been happier. All right. From Brian Stanfield <laughs> in Carbondale, Illinois. Hey, Grandpa, how did Chessie do on her dinosaur identification? From Mark Lynch in Camby, Indiana. When I was growing up, there were only three types of dinosaurs. T-Rex, the one that looks like a hill and the one that flies. That's it. That's the list. Um... It was heartwarming to hear how you play dinosaurs with your grandsons, and it must have been particularly meaningful for you since you're old enough to have known the dinosaurs personally. Yep. I may not have believed that was possible before, but was convinced of the truth when you were unable to remember the name of one of the dinosaurs, but recalled that it was the nice one. That's legit. <laughs> I feel like I could go into your attic, find a stone tablet with Pleistocene middle school yearbook <laughs> at the top, and look through the headshots until I verify there was an eighth grade brontosaurus that read morning announcements and visited your classroom because it had a doctor's note to get out of PE. Did you get a dinosaur to sign your yearbook, though? Dear Tony, have a great summer and stay out of my way, buttface. Love, Rex. I'm sure you cherish the sentiment while hunting, gathering, and using a stick tied to a baby mammoth to vacuum the cave. Now thinking Susan Pfeffer was really an Allosaurus, I am Hampton Nager in Dallas, Texas. P.S. Sinclair Oil, which still exists out west today, had a slogan to go with their dinosaur logo. He lived and died so you can drive. I don't see why they had to rub it in like that. What a bunch of ghouls. He lived and died so, so you could drive. So this is why that logo is so familiar to me. It's the logo for Dynaco from Cars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. From Barney Shapiro, the king of all DC trash, prior to the construction of the office building that housed the restaurant formerly operating as Chatter, that half of the block uh, housed P.K. Sinclair, yes, a dinosaur gas station. From Gus in South Glens Falls, New York, your commentary on Sinclair's dinosaur got me thinking all day about the various gas station slogans I remember from my youth. Back in the day before self-serving convenience stores, I seem to recall hearing something about Sinclair being as American as it gets. I also remember Esso put a tiger in your tank in Happy Motoring, and Texaco's You Can Trust Your Car to the Man Who Wears the Star. But for the life of me, I can't remember if Shell or Amico had slogans. Figuring you maybe have a dozen more years than I and fueling up and reading signs. Perhaps you can help. If somebody told them to me, I would say yes, but no, I can't recall them offhand. Um, in response to the question of whether or not Sinclair gas stations were still around, I was pleasantly surprised when my son and I stopped for lunch and a fill-up in Mitchell, South Dakota in 2013. We were on the beginning of a driving trip to the Badlands when we came across a Sinclair gas station. I hadn't seen a dyno in Ohio in maybe 35 or 40 years, so I had to get a quick picture. And there is a picture of this, a Sinclair station, 2013, from Larry Cater, or Kiter, in Mineola, Long Island. Long time, first time. My father worked for Sinclair Oil for 50 years in Great Neck, New York, where the fuels were brought in on barges. At the 64-65 New York World's Fair, Dinoland was created with eight life-size moving dinosaurs. Big hit. In 69, Sinclair was bought by Atlantic Richfield and became Arco. In 75, most of the operations east of the Mississippi were bought by BP, British Petroleum. The remaining company is the privately owned Sinclair with 2,607 filling stations headquartered in Salt Lake City and operating in 29 states. Go west, young man. That's, that's great. Thank you. Rob Ventura writes, I listened with amazement while you reminisced about the gas stations of your youth. I wonder into what which part of the horse did exactly the gas nozzle go? From Michael in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, in response to the Sinclair oil discussion, I thought I'd share this fantastic cheesehead-wearing Sinclair dino that greets you as you enter Green Bay, and it's a picture of that. Best 60th birthday gift ever, 50-yard line seats at Lambeau, 10 rows up. From Josh Solwyn, formerly of Stone Ridge, New York, in Washington, D.C., and currently of San Rafael, California. As the former employee of the California-based Chevron Corporation, I see your I-95 bias is showing again. Chevron, the second largest oil company in the U.S. and 15th largest U.S. company, also sells gas. Here's a brief and incomplete history of the oil industry. As you recall from your teen years, in 1911, Standard Oil was deemed a monopoly and broken up into regional companies. Mobile, formerly Standard Oil of New York, and Exxon, formerly Esso and Standard Oil of New Jersey, merged in 1999. Exxon Mobil still runs Exxon and Mobil stations. Chevron, formerly Standard Oil of California, merged with Gulf in 1985 and acquired Texaco in 2000 to become Chevron Texaco, but then changed their name back to Chevron in 2005. Chevron still runs Chevron and Texaco stations. BP acquired Amoco, formerly Standard Oil of Indiana, and Sohio, formerly Standard Oil of Ohio. A fun fact. Chevron holds the copyright on the Standard Oil brand in California. In order to maintain 
the rights, there is a single Standard Oil gas station on Van Ness Avenue in San Francisco. On a personal note, I was raised, born and raised in New York, but my first encounter with the Sinclair dinosaur was in Nebraska, a state in the Midwest, a little west of Toronto. Michael, there's a great chart which shows the breakup and remerging of the companies, and that's visualcapitalist.com chart evolution standard oil, if you want to print that out. And from Peter Jennings, not that Peter Jennings. Thank you for the great memories of my three brothers and I stuffed in a family station wagon. Yes, two of us crammed in the third seat facing out the back window in freezing cold northern Michigan, all yelling and pleading with Dad to stop at Sinclair so we could get green plastic dinosaurs. I should have written stupid toy, blankety blank, as Dad described it. When I listened to Nigel's description on Sinclair's website, it made me smile to think how Dad would have responded in kind. Joe Rizzo. Oak Hill, Virginia. When you gave us your top 10 sporting events that you physically witnessed, I was impressed by the age of some of these events. So I was surprised that you didn't include anything from the Athens Olympic Games. Not the 2004 games, the 1896 games. And did you happen to see that huge upset in 100 AD when Tigris of Gaul was defeated by Maximus Decimus Meridius? From Joe Pearson in Indianapolis. Next time you talk to Pat Forty, tell him thanks for me. His analysis of the Baylor-Gonzaga made me save some money. Bigs helping littles. And one more from Tom Dore, our great friend in Chicago, Illinois. Normally I write you emails that are really, really funny. This one will pique your interest. I listen to Pat Forty on the Yahoo College Sports Podcast. It's a great listen. He's spectacular. Two weeks ago, his co-host congratulated him on his daughter, Brooke, adding the NCAA 400-meter individual medley to her Pac-12 Student Athlete of the Year honor. He humbly went on to explain that he was watching the race on a monitor in a press box at the NCAA tournament, and he said, I kept grabbing and hitting poor Chuck Culpepper and went <laughs> nuts when she won. Would love a description from both Pat and Chuck. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. And uh, tell me, you brought three of your friends. Could you please introduce Yes, there's George Palasol, <clears throat> Bringo Stone, and Paul McCharmley. <laughs> Fantastic. change me when you said my head's too long I saw those scissors baby I was gone long gone when I gave you the big one you gave it back when you gave me the car keys to the monster Cadillac I hit that pedal, baby. I was gone, long gone. Love is a long shot, no guarantee. You gave it all you got, but baby, this ain't for me. Dynasty, baby, I'm gone, long gone. When I gave you the big one. To the monster Cadillac I stood on that little baby I was gone, long gone 